Welcome to Culture Crawl ATX Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr. And this is Donald Scott II. Uh, as far as I can tell, coronavirus is done. Uh, I don't see anybody really... I know we are wearing our masks, but the reality of dining, whether indoors or outdoors, and the statement, you can take your mask off while you eat, means there's no real reason for us to have these masks on. You see, and now, now this goes into conversation, and I didn't do too much reading into this, but the CDC put out new guidelines saying that apparently you don't have to test people. Did I, did I see that right? Did you see oh, that anywhere yeah. in your networks? Um, you know what? I haven't read up on it because I've been staying away from the news, but I had some friends send a message that basically said they've stopped testing or the guidance is no need to test. So now if you run a report, <clears throat> actually this is two parts. This is a, and this is a data conversation, right? First thing they said was, we're not giving y'all access to this data anymore. I don't remember where it was coming from, but it was like the, the um, consolidated hospital data or whomever was aggregating the data and it was feeding everybody else for reporting. They told them that that was cut off. And then now they've said, stop testing. So ultimately, there's no way to truly know what our numbers are anymore and so if somebody asks are the numbers falling the answer to that question can be an honest yes as long as the follow-up question isn't have you tested anybody uh, and we know that they don't do follow-up questions in the media anymore uh, so yeah as far as as far as <clears throat> as far as reality is concerned we don't have an answer and as far as the economy is concerned they want us back in these streets so that's what that is as far as i'm concerned with that the numbers were never accurate there are diagnoses people coming into the hospitals for coronavirus just because they had symptoms um, each state varies depending on the commissioner who's in the state guidelines. Florida, they are open testing, but everywhere is also open. You can go and get a haircut. They just, you know, say you have your mask. Social distancing is not really enforced. Uh, seriously, like it was in March, but as far as the numbers, they were never accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. No numbers were ever accurate. <laughs> so uh, I definitely do agree with, with both. Uh, but with overall with the, the virus, the real focus, at least what, what I focus on, is the fact that, number one, individuals are still dying from it, um, some more than others. Uh, those that are dying from it more than others are those that are... Uh, those that do not, those that are living below a certain threshold, mm -hmm. uh, whether that is the, the black community, the Hispanic community, uh, the immigrant community, uh, and the virus. Now, if you're talking about, you know, 
you know, as far as you could tell, it's done now. And it's saying, oh, so the virus has now done its job, quote unquote. And now we can move on to, to our, our original agenda. And now then this has transpired. Because if people are, you know, have died and continue to die from it, then it's not over. Um, what we are doing is just now you know, refocusing or, or no longer caring of the impact that it's yeah, so pretty much the that, hype is over. <clears throat> I, I, I parallel the, uh, and I'll use the word hype, but also maybe empathy, right? I'll parallel our response to coronavirus right now with our response to Jacob Blake being shot. No one from a media, uh, not media, from a corporate media and marketing perspective. I didn't see companies do a blackout again. I've not heard any of my peers say that they're being harassed, their colleagues about how they are feeling. No one has sent me a message. We've not heard anyone ask us to do another town hall. Leadership did not send any uh, emails saying, you know, another tragedy has happened again. Right. Everybody's ignored it for the most part. We as the ERG just sent a message and even we were going back and forth a little bit about whether we should even send it. So ours had the voice of, you know, self-care, EAP, uh, we're here together, call us if you need us. But the yeah, Donna, I think that the, I've, I've also noticed how this has been treated differently at a, at a corporate standpoint and from a messaging standpoint. And I think it has a lot to do with the fact that he didn't die. Like, yes, it's terrible that this man got shot seven times in the back, but there wasn't another death. And so I think that may be contributing to the, the differences that we're seeing in the response to, to this particular situation. The underlying issues as far as racism and how it plays itself out in, in our criminal justice system, like that's still there. But like the fact that that death, like the death is what really is the singer and what makes the media headlines and that was, that was missing from the situation. Yeah, you know, fair, that's a fair statement. <clears throat> but I'll, I'll add this, I'll add these two points. One is when somebody mentioned to me that a shooting happened in Wisconsin, this was before, the, the video was going viral. So it was before any details had come out. I only really scan uh, headlines of NPR nowadays. I don't even go on Google News or CNN. But the headline on NPR said that there had been a killing in the state of Louisiana. So while yes, uh, the Blake family is in the news, that doesn't mean they're not killing us. That's one thing. But two, on the back of that, a protester, no, uh, anti-protester, actually killed two people. And, and either killed two people and injured one or injured two and killed one. And that person is a politic, uh, uh, you know, a Trump-aligned individual based on social media, also police department-aligned, which, uh, again, none of that has been brought forward in any kind of discussion, right? What, I, and I agree, okay, good, the man didn't die. But he still got shot by the police in the back and the video was, a, I haven't seen the video, but based on what I heard, the video was obnoxious. Like, 
It's not like it was justified. It's not like it was necessary. Plus his kids were there. Those are all triggering things. If you were going to say, if I'm supposed to believe that a couple months ago, you were really invested in being an ally, and really now your eyes are open to systemic racism, and really now you're ready to um, support your Black colleagues when they are being traumatized as a community. This is a very easy opportunity for you to send an email that says, hey, Black people, we see this shit happened again. We got y'all's back. Go ahead and take a day off. <laughs> they could have done something, but nothing means, you know, and I sent a message. When we were talking about, I know where this, I mean, maybe we can record, this can be part of it. Um, when we were getting all these messages from our uh, white colleagues, the, the black people that I was talking to were saying, wow, we're really surprised that this same storyline, I had no idea, I was unaware, I didn't know it was so bad. What have you been consuming from a media perspective and news and, and social media for the past 40 years that you didn't know was that bad? But this experience, where no one has gone on our Yammer page to say, oh, I, you know, I stand in solidarity or, oh, I heard about the tragic this. It's actually possible that they don't know. And, and maybe, you know, we talk about two Americas and people get upset about it. Maybe they don't see it in the news that they consume that these things are happening, even though we see it. You know, it, the, the video gets forwarded to me straight from Twitter by a friend. And then I, you know, pass it along. Community. I didn't do it this time, but that's how it gets passed. Maybe they're not passing videos like that. They're, it's not popping up on their Facebook. They change in a channel before it hits CNN. They're not reading that article or it, it's not even sticking on Google News. I don't know, but maybe we should take them at their word that they actually didn't know that it was that bad because they don't see it. And this is proof that they don't see it. So I definitely uh, agree with that, with that statement because there's individuals who live inside their bubble that live within their environment and is not aware of what's going on you know, outside. Um, it was very funny because when I was overseas, that, that is what the definition of American was. Uh, somebody who only focuses on themselves and don't care about anyone else. Uh, and that's not the type of America that, that I love, right, that I believe in. But there is a part of America that acts that way, that operates that way. Um, and just, I think it was last night, uh, Desiree and I, we were watching, just browsing through, through the the stations and uh, we saw the Republican National Convention was going on. I'm like, let, let me see what he's saying right now. Let me just right. see. And if, and if I, as I'm watching, I'm like, you know, there's people who just watch this, you know, like, like him, right? There's people who just watch one type of something without getting the, the diverse perspective, without getting the other options, the other viewpoints um, that are out there. And that's all that they consume. 
So you're completely right. There, there, there are those that have grew up with this racist mentality that grew up with an idea that those that have are better off than those that do not have. There's people who grew up with this idea that, oh, that we need to have people at the bottom. We need to have people in poverty. We need to not care about how we treat our Americans and our fellow brothers and sisters, regardless of how they look, which goes into the second thing that I wanted to address on is this goes back to the type of people that we want to be. Because here it is, we're focusing on, you know, whether or not he was doing something right, whether or not, you know, we were afraid. And I say we as in police officers, right? So the justification for a police officer killing someone is a whole list of things, right? It's like time out. Why are we killing our, our people, right? Like, like, let's start there. Why is it that, that this is even an option on the table? And if, we're, and if we're saying, oh, it's because the officer's afraid or the officer this or that, well, then maybe office, an officer should not be the individual responding to these type of problems or these type of situations. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to change how if someone's in trouble or something's going on with anyone who was black, anyone who was low income, anyone who's on the surface, Hispanic, MK, anybody who has some type of negative outcome potential, how else can we engage with that person, right? So that means new policies, new initiatives. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but we could definitely be more creative. We know we could invest in different types of technology and have the right people build it. We could have different ways of going about addressing this because we're just sick and tired of being sick and tired and we do not want people to continue to die. So instead of us looking at this as a black and white issue, even though it definitely has racism dribbled, you know, sprinkled all up in it, but as the fact that, hey, how are we going to treat our people? If an American is called and there's a disturbance, what do, we, what do we as a people do not want to happen? We don't want that person to die. We don't want that person uh, to, uh, to continue this trend, right? So how can we help them? How can we help our fellow brothers and sisters? And this goes back to um, when I saw in the news, what was it? It was, I forgot, I believe it was, the Ken- I'm not sure if it was Kenosha. I think it was Kenosha, yes. It was some teens that were driving the, a car, and I think that they, they like got crashed or they, they crashed into something. And then the chief of police, I believe it was Kenosha, I'm gonna double check afterwards and comment on the, on the post if I'm wrong. Uh, but the chief of police of, of Kenosha saying that these individuals who did that need to be jailed. They're all, I think they're all between the 18 and 24. He said that they need to be jailed, locked away from our society, locked in warehouses so they cannot have children. Time out, time out, time out. What? I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to go back. The chief of police, I believe it was Kenosha. I believe this was what happened. Yeah, this is the same dude. You're right. It is. Okay, Okay, cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He said that these these teens need to be removed from our society, locked up in warehouses so they cannot have children. This is how you want to treat your fellow American? This is what you do to our people? I don't care what the rationale or justification people want to use. This is not an option. This is not, this should not be said by someone who has this authority, this power and this influence governing the community. Like, like what? And that, this is the conversation we need to have about who we are as a people. What's our morals, our ethics, what's in our soul? Because if we, if we go down this, this situational stuff, like, oh, well, because of this, because of that, like, man, we could, we could argue any point of it, right? But the real essence of no. How, okay, so if you were in that situation, would you want someone to shoot you in the back seven times? Like, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. 
right? You know, regardless of what you're doing wrong, you want people to try to rationalize with you, to help you, to guide you along the way, you know? Like, like you want the privilege of being that, 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 that white person with the shotgun spitting in the cop's face and they don't do nothing. Oh, I, I think I said, man, now I'm just going on because this is, this is a, such a passion of mine, man. But I think, I think I was texting you about this, Donald, when I said, oh, um, no, it was a friend of mine. I said, hey, here's the issue. When a police officer, not all police officers, but when a police officer sees a white person, they think, how can I defend this white person? When a white per- police officer sees a black person, they say, how can I defend myself? And that mentality, that is, that, that is a, a difference when you engage and interact with that individual. So it all goes back to how, how do we want to be as a people, as, as a country? And right now, I'm not liking what I'm seeing because if anybody gets shot and killed by, our, by people doing their job, it's like, whoa, hello, people. We, how, how can we prevent this? Everybody, how can we stop this tragedy from happening? Yeah, I don't think, um, I don't think anyone, no, let me say it like this. The power structure that exists in the United States of America has no investment in stopping these tragedies. And I, I think that's as, as easy as it is. Uh, we're actually thinking of moving. I mean, we uh, <laughs> back in 2016 in November, I was like, oh, we're out this motherfucker. Um, but you talk to people and you think about the level of effort it takes to actually move. And then you, you think about like, is it really worth it? Is, is are other places better? But I don't want to have to wake up, send a text message to my friend, text message back that says, Oh, another black dude has been shot. And this time his kids were in the car and his kids are your kids age. That shit is too stressful. So we're leaving. Like I'm, I'm fast track right now, taking advantage of this um, this Barbados welcome stamp where you can go for a year. Uh, Wait, and Alex, then, so when you say leaving, you you mean that you leaving in Cooperville? Yeah, we leaving the country. We I got my passports ready. Country. Yeah, <laughs> I can't uh, I can't rock really with the states anymore. It's too stressful. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so we're really tangential now, but here's the thing. Uh, Actually, (laughs) here's another thing. On these recordings, I like to use that word, tangential. I'm going to stop. But um, pre-COVID, I would say that I was detached from normal emotional capacity. People who know me well would believe that statement. Uh, But then I had an experience that made me realize I need to be more invested in what it means to be probably emotionally vulnerable, but also emotionally aware and, and, and capable of articulating a feeling. Now that I can do that, I'm... The world is terrible, not the world, the United States. Because now, instead of me seeing a message that says, oh, this dude got shot and his kids was in the car, instead of me being like, I don't care, and not even having a feeling of I don't care, but it just going in one ear and out the other with no 
with no uh, effect. But now I start thinking, damn, I, what stops me from getting shot? Or even, even this dude running when he was jogging. I don't run at night anymore for because of that story. Uh, because it would be stupid for me to be out running at night black in Texas. Because that dude was black in Georgia. What, what's the difference between him and me? Except for the name of a state. But them same ass racists are the culture that are here. So the point is, now that I'm emotionally aware, <laughs> I can't handle it. So, <laughs> so we got our passports ready. I got these applications ready. Um, I'm finding a renter and then we're gonna dip for a year and then see what's popping. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be taking culture crawl uh, recordings from Barbados. Uh, Y'all are here the ocean in the background. Uh, and actually, you know, to be honest, I would say anybody who has the opportunity to work remote and has the ability to take advantage of leaving the country should take advantage of it, especially black people. Because one of the things that they tell us is this is our land too, or you know, our ancestors bought and bled. And my response to that is while yes, it's true that they fought and bled, they were brought here and the indigenous people were murdered. So this not our land, nor is it these white supremacist land. This land belongs to none of us, which is why I think we are, it's, there's so much chaos. Uh, and the culture is a function of consumption and chaos and actually, I just sent you, Mike, that, uh, that Tupac uh, video that was shared with me as an interview, I, I guess, from years ago, 92, actually. And, and in 1992, he was talking about exactly this, the hoarding of wealth, the destruction of resources, and, and the culture of the United States, which functionally is a consumer-based culture, but with no limit. Right? We consume, 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 and destroy. And uh, you know, we cut down trees, we destroy people's neighborhoods, we're, we're destroying lives. Uh, and, and I think that is the, of the United States culture, right? There's plenty of people who have brought other cultures to the United States, which I think is what makes the United States a great, amazing, vibrant place. But it's not the root of the of the United States culture, the root is actually slavery and rape. So, what are we really doing? And, you know? and genocide, and, and genocide. Yeah, and ge <laughs> right, <laughs> right, and, ge so, and straight genocide. You know what I mean? And that part, you know what's fucked up? That part gets forgotten. And not even, you know, what? I'm getting ready to get upset, but here's, <laughs> it's not even that it gets forgotten. It's actively not taught. That is the bigger problem because they teach about slavery, but they talk their way around it. They kind of teach about rape, but they say the slave master had feelings for his slave. Okay, okay. But we don't even talk about genocide, just straight murder of a full group of people and then take their land 
this shit is terrible. Anyway, we're leaving. I'm hands like we're we're out. Now I might come back. The the Barbados thing is only one year, but I'll bet if you if if after a year you ask to renew, they'll let you renew. Um, but even while we're down there, I'll probably be looking to uh, go somewhere else because I it, it just doesn't make any sense uh, to stay because it's it's just too wild. Yeah, so we're gonna talk about that Barbados more in depth offline. But to to go back just around, you know, the the society and this history and it not being taught, it's so true. And that's why we have the chaos. So I understand that, yes, this is not our land. It's has not even those in power land. So that's why we have the chaos for sure. But we haven't even acknowledged that in order to make some type of, you know, improvement because history of a country is history of a country. I mean, you can't go back in time and change history. Of course, we, we, we can't. But we could learn from our history. We could make improvements. We could change. We know like, we could create a, a new society. And every empire rises and falls. I mean, it's only a matter of time, right? I mean, there's no empire that lasts forever. Even the longest empires that, that right out, I mean, talk about the Persians or Romans, the Greeks. I mean, you name it. However, there is coming a point in time when, you know, if you are not changing with the times, well, the times will change you. And we've seen that happen consistently. But, you know, we're not, you know, we're not trying to learn from our past. Like, like this, this goes back to individual, not even caring about climate change, right? Not caring about how the world has evolved. I mean, man, look at this year alone. Look at what's going on in California. Look at um, Hurricane Laura. Look at what happened when I think it was um, Harvey Lash and then Maria. I mean, like, man, like right now, these times and what's going on in our environment is being so, so much impacted that we can sit and continue to ignore Right, we can't say and continue to ignore what's happening in society, ignore what's what our past, ignore what's what's happening right now to individuals. Do, does Flint, Michigan, have water yet? Does anybody know? Like, it's like what? It's like why is that even a question? It's, it's just bad, bad. You know, some some would say bad karma, some would say bad juju, some would say you know a, a history of oppression and just you know rape, genocide, slavery. It's just not. It doesn't add up um, to positivity. Because there is, because we definitely do live in a land of abundance and a land of wealth, um, but we can't be hoarding it and only allowing a certain percent, a certain percentage of the of the population to have that wealth. Because there's white poor people too. Right? I want to make that clear. There are white poor people as well. So it's like, okay, come on now. Like we really need to rethink about our society and our structure and who's at the top and who's at the bottom. Because if this continues, it's only a matter of time before the empire falls, before the empire collapses. Yeah. yeah, there's white poor people, and we like to gloss over that part too. And then that's what Martin Luther King's, King's um, what was it? What was his the uh, campaign called? Poor People's Campaign that he was running. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like that's what he was trying to do. He, okay, the Poor People's Campaign. He was u- uniting people and calling for economic justice and like the key to all the imbalances and and, and inequality that we see is eliminating poverty you eliminate poverty and you solve a lot of issues but if you eliminate poverty and that means you are reshaping the structure and it's like oh no we have to have people living on you know let's say less than a dollar a day while we have those that are living off of billions and billions. I was like, come on, how 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 is that the structure that you want to have for your people? 
And this is where, you know, hoard and greed come up. This is just where selfishness comes up. I mean, yes, those are qualities. Yes, those are options. But there's also other options, right? You know, there, there's, there's caring, there's giving, there's sharing, right? Like, we don't all have to have everything. No, we can have enough to survive. And your level of survival could definitely change depending on where you live and who you are. But we do not need to be, we do not need to be, what's the word I'm looking for? We do not need to be okay with the fact that, yeah, or, or even Blystein, looking at the bottom of the fact that, hey, it's okay if this person has nothing. Okay, now let's all agree that this person has nothing. Like, why are we, why are we doing that as a society? Because if that was my brother, if that was my sister, if that was my mama, if that was my friend, if that was my colleague, if that was my coworker, if that was my stranger neighbor I've never talked to, I wouldn't want that for that person. And then that's what it always comes back to, I see, in my opinion, regardless of the area direction that, that you're going with. Um, but we, we can't continue to do that. Yeah, I'll, um, <clears throat> I'll say, too, on that word agreement, right? I've been floating this idea that wealth, that extreme wealth is not real, but instead is in an agreement with society that some people are supposed to have all of it and other people are supposed to have none. Yep. That's how you come up with somebody being worth $700 billion. There's no such thing. I, I, this is random, but it's, it's like, if I can't give you 700 billion physical things, then 700 billion, or I was, I was actually talking about the, the word trillion because we were talking about the Apple value, but I can't count to that in a lifetime, which means I can't give you that many things. So now what we're talking about is a number that's been generated by a computer and then shown to us. We've done the math that says, this is $700 billion. And since this person has $700 billion, he gets to do whatever the hell he wants to do. But ask him to come up with $700 billion and it's not possible, right? If you talk about someone trying to uh, liquidate their assets, we were talking about Jeff Bezos, uh, I guess the value of Amazon and then something about his shares, it, it would be like $8 billion in reality or something like that. I mean, all you have to do, Donald, is print the money, right? But you can't print 8 billion things. That's why I'm saying. Ex exactly, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not possible. I actually, you know what? I'm, I could be wrong. So I'm going to go back and look and see the total number of bills in circulation in the world. Maybe there, maybe you can have a billion unique objects. Yeah, and then we will we'll need to look into how much is in the Federal Reserve. Let me say, so that people don't think uh, that we be sending out wrong information. There is a total of about $1.5 trillion in U.S. physical currency mm -hmm. in circulation. Roughly 80% of this value comes from the $11.5 billion $100 notes. Each year, 70% of new bills are used to replace older notes going out of circulation. That is from 2018. And on that note, we're going to close out of Culture Crawl ATX podcast. 
We thank you so much for listening. And we ask that you take this time to follow Culture Crawl ATX on Instagram and click that like button and follow on your favorite podcast listening platform.